Oh, yeah, yeah, I saw the little post. I'm already recording. So it's finally come to this, huh? It's finally come to this. We got to sail those high seas, and I don't think it's, we're talking about, well, I guess maybe piracy. Yeah, we are absolutely talking not about the, piracy Not the piracy time. that we come to, like, talk about. I don't yeah. Know. But, uh, yeah, I think I start this one. Give me a clap. Yeah, we do. Let's go. Welcome back to Weebology, everybody. I am your authentic Professor Ricky. Hey, everybody. I'm your slow-moving Professor Ethan. Slow mo- oh, you still have the bum ankle shit right now? That's yeah, I mean, it's getting better, actually. Uh, okay. I rode on a like rowing machine yesterday. Nice. Did like a okay. 5K rowing, and I didn't like cry, so I think it is... Slowly but surely getting better. I did uh I did actually get an x-ray. It is not broken, everybody. Hey, okay, good. Cause like I if you want my unprofessional medical opinion. <laughs> sure, why not? I thought you snapped the shit out of that. Because so did I. like <laughs> I, I swear to god, I thought you were just like absolute snap crackle pop that shit. I honestly thought I might have. Rice Krispies. Though the I don't know if you guys at home have ever broken like a foot. Scoop this guy. You broke a foot. I broke my. I, I had a. I had a compression fracture in my ankle. Well, remember when I visited my friend up in Albany? Did I? You ever hear about this? I do recall. I this. jumped off a rope swing and no one checked the water level because there was a drought in New York. And guess who landed in water up to his nipples from like three stories <laughs> up? This guy. And I snapped the shit out of my ankle. Yeah. So I feel you. I literally feel that. It's there's just like different levels of pain I've noticed from different injuries because I've had like. Honestly, I'd been extremely healthy like pretty much my entire formative years. Never yeah. broke a bone until I was in college. I've gotten hit. Pr- I think never both torn of us- an ACL until I was in college. Never had a concussion until I was in college. I think you and I have been hit pretty hard by life or or people, and I don't know. We just I don't know. I I feel like we're both built pretty densely. Yeah, we're I've, built I've, different for sure. A little different, yeah. Um. You know, but anyway, the like the difference between breaking your foot and then just like spraining it really bad pain wise is like so immense and acute. It's magnitudes of order right, right. larger. So like I was pretty sure immediately I didn't break it, but like you can never be too sure two days after because you still can't walk either way. One hundred percent. Because they they all from the first weeks feel the same. Yeah, you're just yeah. like, you know, fuck it. I'm dead now. Yeah. It's I think the difference you can tell is the swelling. Because like mine was great because the worst part about mine I couldn't fly back for 48 hours to get medical treatment. Uh, so I was just sitting in my friend's basement drinking Coke Zeros with a, with a grapefruit for an ankle. Yeah. And I'm just like, that looks bad. And his uh, mom, who's a nurse, was like, that looks bad. And I'm like, thanks. Yeah. This I is, really appreciate yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> you're right. That does suck. Thank you. So I'm glad it's not broken, dude. That's, yeah. I, that's I what I'm looking for. What I noticed is like between, I mean, this is so not. Uh, anime related, but it's life related. I noticed that the bruising is just so different between breaking your foot and a like really bad sprain. You get shades of human body that shouldn't exist. Right. Like yeah. my my foot was deep black when I broke my bone, mm-hmm. and this time it was just like a, a red kind of 
you know, it looked like a blood vessel or something. A calm exploded. crimson. Yeah. Yeah. Versus an aggressive, <laughs> deep black. Yeah. Basically, my phone was like, I'm dead now. The first time <laughs> I broke it. Um, I also find it funny. I like only heard the exact same thing over and over again. I never heard like the other side. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It's like my left knee I hurt in high school playing football, but it wasn't like a, it was like a, a strain, a strain, sprain, whatever. And then I tore my ACL in my left leg. And then I broke my right foot in college, and then just now I like resprained it pretty bad. So it's just so weird. just certain quadrants are just injury prone for you. It's the way you're built. Hey, have you ever heard of? Uh, this is going way off topic, but too bad. <laughs> <Whatever>. <laughs> uh, there's this like Ice Man Oatsy. Have you heard of him? It's like this no. really really old guy. No, five thousand years old. I think they found him like frozen in ice. I want to say in Italy. Sure. I've heard of stories and seen pictures of people they have found like this. I don't know if this may be the same guy because I've definitely well, seen Well, he's like the oldest known person that they found like a pretty like solid version of his body. Obviously, he's like... Yeah, well, decrepit. Yeah, yeah. A couple millennia will do that to he's you. He's like a mummy-ish, but, <laughs> uh, but he was like found in ice, but he was the first person they've ever found with tattoos, and they Sick. think it was tattoos... Uh, um, it, Basically, it was, like, really rudimentary, like, designs of just, like, lines. Yeah. Like, one, two, or three, and or, like, even crosses and stuff like that. And it was, they think, it correlated to everywhere he had an injury. And oh. I, they were saying, like, they thought, like, tattoos back then were, like, directing the healing power in their, like, old civilization. Sick, dude. I know. It's actually sick. And I know, again... And, like, to be honest, it probably brings blood flow to the area, and it might actually help. It might actually help, because, like, okay, so if we're talking about random shit in antiquity, this is on topic for this off-tangent. Let's go. That um, <laughs> my brother, who I think he had maybe, like, kind of a drunk night or something, but he out of nowhere at, like, midnight was just like, where did the practice of wiping your ass came from? When did that start? And I'm like, in the morning, I'm like, all right, this is definitely a drunk question, but I'm going to do the research. Yeah, why wouldn't you? <laughs> Turns out, I would have guessed maybe like late medieval when maybe hygienic practices were starting to like take off. I think the Mayans maybe. It was, it's, it's thought of to be 800 BC in ancient Greece. And what's actually fascinating from the things that I've read, I've read one, I've read a bunch of little articles, but one actually scholarly paper where they, I went down a rabbit hole, dude, but they found, they called them wiping artifacts, and they knew that by fecal matter, that there were names written in ancient Greek on said artifacts, and they so you have- literally wipe your ass with your enemies. That's literally what it is. Literally. They, like, historians have pinned that together and said, you know what? Yeah. This definitely feels like- they're wiping their ass with the names of their enemies. <laughs> so funny. And I'm like, what in the fuck are we doing here? Yeah, like, it turns out they were thugs. That's metal as hell. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, back on. <laughs> this is still off tangent. I'm authentic because I had quite a, you know, a, an authentic weeb day today. Yeah, yeah. And I went to something. I don't know if you've ever experienced that the magic of H Mart. And H Mart is a. See, I thought you were in Charleston. And I'm like, oh yeah, I've been there. And it, then you were not. I was in Atlanta. And I was like, oh <laughs> yeah. So they have this thing. There's there's things and there's all around the country, but it's it's called H Mart. And sometimes they're called Super H Marts, where it is the size of like nearly a a small neighborhood market Walmart, where it's nothing but Asian grocery. 
Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Indonesian, like like literally wall to wall things you can't read. And I walked away with a fucking haul today. Matcha Kit Kats, Pocky, like five types of ramen, an amazing like a little tub of red pepper paste and oh, like God. fermented <laughs> bean paste. And it was like I was in heaven. And then they had an entire cafe inside. So I had some proper egg ketchup smothered omelet rice yeah, with I some sushi. And we, I hit it in the Discord, which you can get in for $1 and up at patreon.com. But we were just like, look, dude, I, I've had a fucking... And I took home some authentic sake and just like That's had so some good. ramen while I was watching what we're going to talk about today. I was the captain of my weeb journey today. Yeah, that's so good. Speaking of captains. Oh, you made it so funny. Oh, you, oh, you're learning. You caught on to it. Speaking of weeb journeys. Wait. Oh, I said captain. Speaking of captains, we're finally doing it. I finally have amassed enough in my brain. Enough knowledge. Enough to actually have a conversation about it, first and foremost. We are going to start what I'm calling the One Piece Chronicles. A journey that I am taking personally that Ethan has embarked on a long time ago and is quite the veteran in this space. But we wanted to go ahead and every so often, maybe five or six episodes, do a check-in with my One Piece journey. And we want to do it in arcs. So we actually have like a nice tight thing to talk about each time. And we today are going to talk about the first 61 episodes of One Piece, the East blue arc and i think we're going to just kind of discuss like or it's going to be maybe me heavy but i want to leverage ethan's knowledge because he's sitting at a thousand plus episodes i'm sitting at uh, honestly i'm sitting at about 75 to 80 somewhere in there yeah and but we're going to talk about the first 60 so i'm probably like 800 ish in okay sick i'm post whole cake but i'm not into really into wano because i knew wano was going to be like a billion episodes. This means so nothing to I me paused. right now. Yeah, this means nothing to me right now. Yes. Well, yes. those of you at home will know where I'm coming from. Exactly. Exactly. So th- this is this is how it's going to all go down is I wanted to give my initial thoughts on the first arc, the characters that we meet therein, their origin stories, and then where I think certain breadcrumbs have been dropped. Because, look, we're, I would argue... No, I don't have to argue shit. We're veterans in this space. We're professors, (laughs) after all. So I want to make sure that, you know, I come at this both with a professorial eye, but also understanding that I'm watching a show that I am new to, but that this stuff came out as early as 1997. Right. So I need to to recognize that this was the progenitor of most, the early days for some, and a little bit lacking just because it's about... 25 30 years ago in anime history right just the stuff that i've watched so i guess let's fucking get into it dude yeah let's do it so like just i guess a little bit for those of you at home i watched this a long long time ago like you said so some of these early arc moments are going to be hard for me to like just instantly recall like i probably couldn't give you a rundown right now of like all that happened in the east blue arc yeah. So it's going to be good that you just you just watched it. So maybe like, you know, I'll ask you some questions probably a little bit later after I guess you get into it. Right. And then I think vice versa, you're going to ask me a few questions and then I'll tell you if I can answer them or not. Sure. Sure. I, I would hate to spoil you. Of course. 
So. Please don't do what Patrick does and like give me like uh he does this thing and actually did it with one piece where he would basically like like t- essentially explain something in such a way that I'm like, "Oh, he knows already." And then I'd say something and then I and then he'd be bad, mad that he spoiled that I spoiled it and I'm like, "Dog, you basically said everything I just said, you dick." Yeah, okay, yeah. I'm not going to be like that that's like the person in class that is like, "Hey teacher, did you know that?" and then f- pose something as a question, but clearly you know the fucking answer. And then it's just like, "Yes." I Except did, like yes. in this case he didn't know it. And it's like, "Why would you allude to knowing all of this?" <laughs> He's like, "Oh, you know this character?" you know all the like cool things about him and i'm like yeah it is cool because of and he's like i didn't know that i'm like why would you say that then no there's okay so i will admit later in this episode there is one element where i uh i did do one research on one term just to kind of because that the one term stuck out to me but i will but other than that and it, it has nothing to do with the with spoiling one piece for me it was more about I think I've heard this term in Japanese history. Okay. But I wanted to make sure that I, I got that right. But we'll get yeah, to Yeah, I mean, this is such an exciting journey for me sitting here just like... Yeah. I guess I was just really concerned that you would you would maybe not like it based on the animation early on. Like, has that been much of an issue for you? Au contraire. Anything. I took the time period into account. Oh. And it... And <laughs> It was funny because, and so, okay, fuck it. Let's get into it. So, like, the first, let's go ahead with the first, like, 25 eps in terms of just pure animation. I recognized that these were airing in 1997-98. I was a wee babe in kindergarten. I, had, I didn't even have tiny wee brain. I, didn't ha- I had tiny brain, period. Like, I was just like, 5 plus 5 equals 10. That's fucking sweet, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so, I was like, two-digit di- two numbers. Holy fuck. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So, like, I took that into account. And... Even with taking that into account and then removing that perspective and going objectively, this animation in its early days crushes. There's moments where like it's frame by frame, self cell animation, like there is some love and care put into something. And it harkened back to like those really early Dragon Ball Z Raditz Raditz area, like like basically the early days of Dragon Ball Z and maybe late days of Dragon Ball, like the pic- like the Piccolo Jr. saga. Did you ever thing. watch Dragon Ball? Yes. Just no. out of curiosity? Yes, I did. So and, I find like art style wise, this is way more playful. Yeah. Like little right? off models. Yeah. yeah a little yeah. off model. They're, they're willing. And literally the idea of stretching the character models comes very naturally with a stretchy ma- MC like Monkey D. Luffy, right? <laughs> right? He literally has the power to stretch his body. So any kind of off model <laughs> shit, it's literally canon. Right. It's literally canon for him to be completely wild looking. Right. So <laughs> off the rip, the animation, playful as it may be, was fluid. The some fight animations, like some a couple scenes, I'm like, that would have played today. Like th- there were only momentaries. Like we're talking seconds. Right. But like those seconds where he just like I'm thinking of like Arlong Arlong Park, like the final punch when he finally punches Arlong through the fucking oh, yeah. building. Like yeah, that would have fucking played today. And then I got a bit into the next arc already, and I'm like, there's a notable animation jump, like literally. I and think that's what's so exciting about a series this long is like as you continue through the years, because that's literally how it years. is. Yeah, it's like the shifts are so drastic, almost from from like, 
I guess year to year, and it, it like when you really put it into perspective, it's probably even just like straight up the animation techniques that are available. Yeah, right. And so I think all in all, as an animation snob, when I put it in context of its years, it's quite groundbreaking. Like it's really, really beautiful. And then I peel that like that perspective off and just go, I'm a 2022 weed professor. Let me evaluate it like it's here. And it holds. It's dated, sure, but it definitely holds. Oftentimes, what's even funny is that oftentimes you get CGI help nowadays. There's no such thing right. then. And even it, the little bit that there was, I mean, the next arc, the Alabaster arc, when it starts, like there's some water CGI maybe, and like, but it's so light and subtle that it's just all additive. So all in all, the animation was not even distracting. It was almost kind of fun to see a 25-year-old animation style but clearly a lot of care there was no corners cut here and i I honestly think the biggest thing for me early on is like the color needed to be corrected just a tad for the characters like the first maybe like maybe it's even just the uh i forget the name of the first episode something dawn i I think it was just like enter monkey d luffy or something like that no 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 there's like uh it was with alvita like right on the boat with Colby and no, where the, where his arm, uh, Shanks' arm gets ripped off. That wasn't the first episode. That was a couple episodes in, uh, when he had that flashback. Well, maybe it was like a movie or something. Sure, that. sure. It was definitely a flashback that Luffy had when he was talking about Shanks. Um, but uh, yeah, that was actually pretty wild. But I uh, I did want to start with romance. Dawn. Romance gone. Okay. Dawn. Dawn. I keep doing that. So Fine. supposedly that was the island that he grew up on. On Romance Dawn. Oh. The island was called Dawn. Okay. I, I missed that detail. And talk well, about... Well, so that's what I was saying is like, apparently, I just looked this up a second ago. That was like episode 900 they talked about. Like they, they re like tell the story of the first, like, I guess really what sets him on his path. Oh, wow. And that's that's something that's really interesting and cool about this show is like throughout the 25 plus years that they, um, you know, have been going going on with it. Right. Putting shit out. You get like flashbacks that are so additive. Like I typically hate flashbacks. I think sure. they're like normally done so poorly. Mm-hmm. But in like cases like this, it's like. Really, when you watch it, the first 60 episodes or whatever, you're like, wow, this is an insanely large world. And you'll like slowly be like blown away, I think, even more by how big this one piece world is. But then you'll be like, oh, that's what all that meant. So uh, I want to say before I start getting into the characters, like, yes, I think I'm finally at the moment. Like, I I think I said it in a couple episodes ago when we were talking about we were going to start this journey. But. There is a moment when you get good enough at any skill or practice where you have what I call like a wisdom gate, where you finally are acquainted enough with the with the skill, practice or whatever, where you're like, you realize how much you don't know, like, right. you know, enough to know that you don't know. And I think that's really potent, wisdom especially with plus something, five yeah, <laughs> plus five, yeah, five plus five. <laughs> then there's like. Yeah, I can finally add shit and make two-digit numbers. What <laughs> Incredible. the fuck? Incredible. <laughs> but look, I think I'm finally hitting that with One Piece. I think, like, we're not talking about all of where I'm at, but I'm finally nearly a tenth of the way in, and I'm like, I don't know shit. 
Like, I freely admit that, like, I know just enough to know I don't know anything. Right. And that's a beautiful feeling because that means there's so much ahead of you to know. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're you're definitely in a position where you don't even know what you don't know. Which is great. That I, you don't know about it. That's amazing. <laughs> and, and so, like, like you're I'm, like five or six layers down in the don't know tree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we are climbing that tree. But. I will say I'm going to start with my opinions because to go to your your flashback point to make that point, I need to start talking about the main character, Monkey D. Luffy. And from one disclaimer, I told Ethan off mic, but I'm going to have some, I would argue, very hot takes early on about certain characters. And I am I am doing so knowing fully that these opinions will either be reversed or cemented like heavy right because i i don't know what i don't know right i only am working on what i have right now and what i think for monkey uh, monkey d luffy he's a bit of a flat pro tag right now interesting but he explain he is knowing what I know now, and obviously he is your classic big three DBZ Shonen protag. He's true north. He's the yeah. truest fucking north. But and that that's a pro and con. That's a pro and con. That pro is in narratives, and I think I, I credit totally not Mark. You should go check his stuff out on YouTube. Incredible. He does this stuff with uh, DBZ a lot. RIP Toei and his whole thing with that, but. <laughs> Um, he talks about Goku, Goku as a flat protag. He doesn't change, and his unchanging nature forces the world around him to change because of Goku's pillar of resilience. Frieza, at the end of Super, helping out the good guys. Vegeta's entire arc is based around Goku's resilience in the face of adversity. And you have things like, you know, Naruto is a similar way, but a little more nuanced as you get into Shippuden. You have Ichigo, who actually is more of a nuanced version of this, but he is still pretty, you know, pretty true north that I want to protect my friends, right? Monkey D. Luffy is literally, like, not as complex as Ichigo and not maybe as nuanced right now as Naruto as a main character, but he is so fucking unwavering in the face of any adversity that all he does, I think Saint may have said it in the Discord, all he does is eat meat, sleep, and punch people in the fucking face. <laughs> and that, I think, early on in a large shonen adventure is paramount because you need a pillar. As the world expands and the characters around Luffy change, you need a pillar. You need a linchpin. You need that, you need that true north as you go through this journey. And Luffy is literally the best example. I may have ever seen of that true, like, I got my mind on a thing and I'm doing that thing. But he also, I want to say, is a strangely good judge of character from the rip. Like, he knows, like, yeah, this, this one, this, this one's a good one. This one, th this guy is a seedy piece of shit. Like, he has this weird moral compass or just like a attunement to other people's true intentions, which is very interesting to me. Like he he can pick out the good in somebody and like, yeah, that guy's a good guy. Like, no. And, and he sticks to it. And he's almost always right, which is weird. Like when people are suspicious, he's like, no, nah, I'm good. What I think is very interesting about Luffy is he doesn't really go into any 
um, meeting with like a preconceived notion of people. He lets like their actions and like themselves be their like determining factor. Yeah. And but then very quickly does he make a judgment. He sees how they react. He goes in neutral, but his barometer is quickly to one side or the other. And it's almost always right. He's like, yeah, that person's that person's great. This person's piece of shit. And he sticks to it. I think, you know, it was jarring for me initially watching it because I was like, what is this kid's fucking deal? Right, right. But like, it's definitely something where the farther you get into the show and the more you learn about, I guess, his up upbringing and like him being raised, you'll be like, OK, I get all of the stuff that happened. Sure. And I think that's that's interesting to me, too, is that I want I, and these early couple One Piece Chronicle episodes are going to be, you know me i'm gonna have a wish list of things i see right and the one is i want to see luffy have have the rug pulled out from under him from somebody right i want him to have his barometer go shitty or good and then he's like oh i was wrong about that he doesn't pride himself necessarily in his judge of character but it's clearly a a pillar of his uh, of his archetype that he can just like his barometer is spot on his uh goodometer if you will and it's just, I'd like to see him just swindled, hoodwinked, you know? Yeah, I'm not sure you're going to ever get that necessarily. I never it's just like, thought I would, but I was hoping for it. As far as like hoodwinking and stuff like that, like you got to remember he's a pirate and he knows he's a pirate. He expects to be hoodwinked. That was the other element of it. He's always expecting that like the double cross to happen. Right. Like, so if you're always expecting that, it doesn't matter if someone's great or not. They're like. Well, that's just a that's just the shit for being a pirate, right? Like right. it's just a pirate's just life like, for well, me, baby, right? <laughs> yeah. So like it, it's it's such Which a, is a fun character he, he, to be like he, able to just let shit roll off your back. And wh- what a weird and that's the thing, right? And I I think we maybe could pluck out a couple examples of this kind of dichotomy in main in main character storytelling or like crafting, where he's a good natured individual in a world of debauchery and seediism, right? He's literally a pirate. The world government hates his kind, but he is a good fucking dude, right? He's trying to do the whole thing different, right. but he's not even coming out saying, I want to do pirating different. He just thinks like, oh, I, I, who says I can't be a good guy and just like care for other people and also be a pirate? Right. That's not other people are just like, you're fucking insane. Like yeah. you're literally in a world of pirates. You're doing piracy. You swindle, kill and plunder. Like, what do you what do you mean you're out here like saving people for your friends? That's no fuck you, yeah. dude. Like you're not, you don't even doing this the right way. And then he's like, gum gum no fuck you. Like, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's literally like I'm doing it my way and he's turning the whole game upside down from the rip. But he, he, that isn't his whole, his mission isn't like, I want to do this whole pirate thing different. He's like, I want that fucking treasure, dude. Like I want to get that. I want to get that gold. Right. That's his whole that's his whole bag. It's not even trying to like I want to be a different pirate. Well, it's kind of interesting. I don't actually know if like the one the one piece I think is a easy goal to say that he wants to go find, but I think it seems clear to me that he just wants to live free and do whatever he wants. That's yeah. like his real goal. Yeah. He he wants to be he does, he doesn't want to give a shit and he just wants to like have his boys, have his crew. I think just, what's like, like extra interesting about a character like Luffy though is He's actually a bad character in that he's supposed to be a pirate, like a bad guy. Right. So right? He, he's so already like, as an audience, we're instantly siding with pirates. Yeah. Even though like 
pirates are bad. <laughs> right, right. But that, that's the best part, right? right? Pirates, the royal concept, pirates as a as a group are bad people. And every other example in the show, you know, Buggy's crew, we have the Alvidia crew, we have, you know, the Kudo Cat crew, uh, Kudo Cat crew, and like <laughs> literally everybody, like they're all shitheads. Yeah. Every one of them are like, Grade A, USDA, choice cut, grass fed assholes. And Luffy and the gang are out here just like, no, I mean, we, you know, we're cool, right? We're, we're, we don't give a shit. Like, you know, like, if you're a good person, we're not going to hate you for it. You're our buddies. Like, you want to come with me? I was like, no big deal. So <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, he, he, he's doing the whole thing different, but that's not his mission. That's just a byproduct of who he is and the occupation he's chosen for himself. And it's great. I, I, I love and that's and that's still unique to this day. And or, even if it isn't unique, you can tell that that kind of archetype started with Monkey D. Luffy, which is really interesting. Right. And, the, and the one thing before I go into the other characters, I have to recognize more than the animation, more than the datedness, whatever. I have to recognize that this show, while I think like the downfall of a flat character is like, oh, like he's pretty one note that he's the OG. This is he's one of the OGs. Like there was probably not many before Luffy that was doing this. So to be in a 2022 mindset, looking at a show nearly 30 years old when it started, I had to take a step back a couple times like, all right, all right, all right, all right. he's not one note. He's one note to a guy who's watched anime for nearly 20 years. He's the first, right. one of the first. You have to remember the progenitor is going to feel like every other one because every other one's like him. He's the reason. So yeah, it's important I mean, to recognize that. Honestly, him and Goku, I think, are really tied closely together. Yeah. That's the um, best corollary I can right. think of. The only difference being like Goku's whole like life goal is just to fight as many interesting people as he can be as strong as possible right which yep. is like i think a byproduct of luffy's journey is also getting stronger but it's yeah. not his journey right or his it's goal to achieve his goal of leisure one piece which yeah. is you have to be literally op right there's because who's going to stop you from being carefree if you're op no one's going to stop you right so you have to be that um, so like I, I guess just from the first 60 something episodes sure. how do you compare this to like a a Naruto of course you've seen way more of Naruto but what is your like because it's really you know I want to be Wizard King I want to be Okage like that is extremely Luffy yeah right and so like you know instantly like that had a lot to do with Luffy because I think you know comparing him back to, to Goku quickly like Goku doesn't have a goal that he like constantly tells you about he just like he his actions are his like long term goal, right? I want to fight strong people. So I think another reason why, to your point, why I think Goku and Luffy align better than maybe Luffy and a Naruto or an Asta is because a lot of modern long form MCs seem to come into the into the limelight into their own series with a chip on their shoulder. Naruto ostracized from his village for a past he couldn't control. Asta very same way in a societal system where he literally doesn't fit because he doesn't even apply without magic. And he's a chip on his shoulder. They have something to prove. Luffy, at least from what I can see in the first 60 episodes, 
has nothing necessarily to prove asterisks to that, has nothing to prove for his goal. He just wants it. Here almost reminds me a bit of a gone. Yes, he may have a chip on his shoulder where his dad is gone and any good MC in a shonen needs needs a negligent or dead father. Um, they basically, uh, they all take this journey because they, they just want that thing. Goku wants to be the strongest. Uh, Gon wants to find his dad, but he just wants to be a hunter. Like He wants to be a hunter like his dad, but he's not too overly concerned that his dad's gone until he's like, hey, come find me. Sure. Okay. It's not like, I need this. No, no. I just want to do it because well, I want to find my dad. Luffy, he just like, oh, yeah, I want to be a pirate. Like, yeah. Do I want to do it because I knew a guy that helped me out named Shanks, who is an awesome pirate and he's a captain? Yeah. That sounds like a great motivator, but he doesn't have this chip on his shoulder. He right. is unburdened by a past. Yes, he has a bit of mix up in his past from what I know now. He's got a bit of mix there with Shanks saving his life, sacrificing an arm. All that stuff. Also, I guess spoilers for a nearly 30-year-old intro to an anime that I think everyone's probably seen. Um, but if you haven't, you should go watch it. I'm going to say it right now. Um, all I'm going to say is that I think that's, I think that's the crux of it. Is well, that it is very interesting that he doesn't actually have... like. There's nothing really wrong with his life that would... You like push him toward a life no, of piracy. No, he was just exposed as a <laughs> He's kid. Just like that, fuck like, it, it looked cool. Yo, <laughs> these pirate guys are fucking. This looks fucking fun. I want to go do that. Shanks is rad. He's amazing, <laughs> and I want to go do what he does. Like that's amazing. Um. So yeah, I mean, like I I like the character because he isn't beholden to like a dark past. Yeah, right. Because and that makes it from episode one. Fun as hell. Right. He literally was smuggling himself in a barrel on another pirate ship yeah. just for fun, just like to get to a certain place because he didn't have a ship. <laughs> he's like, I'm going to hitch a ride in a barrel. Bloop. Awesome. <laughs> Bloop. Yeah. And you find out, whoa, oh, the guy can stretch like gum. Yeah. That's fucking awesome. I'm like, a amazing. rubber boy. I'm a rubber boy. <laughs> <And> he, <laughs> yeah, watch. And it's, it's just, it's fun from the rip. And I think that's what I... There's a dichotomy in that again right there is that every other pirate in the series sucks. They're all mean. And the the Straw Hat crew on the Going Merry all are just they they all have their missions, but like they all seem to be having a good fucking time when they're together. Right. It's great. Um, And speaking of that crew, I want to just hit a couple of the intro stuff because a lot of this first 60, there are a lot of intro stories here. And I wanted to just kind of like talk about how I felt about the way that this show, probably my highlight from a storytelling perspective, the way that these origin stories are, my God, like they really <laughs> endear you to these characters. Right. Like they, they go out of their way because maybe it's Luffy's nature that he just decides to full send defending these people. Right. But I think that's part of it, right? Is that he in full sending saying like, yep, I, I want this person on my crew. So I'm going to I'm going to go to the ends of the earth to make sure that I Make sure that they have their shit figured out and then they can come on my crew. Again, his journey, right? Um, you got Zoro first and he instantly was my favorite, became my not least favorite, but down in the rankings because of someone else later. And then for another moment is now currently my favorite character. So he had this like... Because I think he will remain your favorite character for the rest of the series. Sick. Okay. He's just too fucking cool. 
I like his oh, one too fucking cool. <laughs> like too cool. He he <sighs> is definitely the equivalent in my mind of a Renji. Like he's got like this like resilience to him. Like but he's like Renji tries too hard. Zoro is just he fucking doesn't, yeah, lit. <laughs> he doesn't try much at all, and he just seems to get it done. It looks like Renji like jewels and like has tattoos on his face. <laughs> yeah, and, like. You could tell he wears big gold chains everywhere. He gets the job done, but he's weirdly too flashy yeah, about yeah. it. Or Zoro's just that guy in the corner where he'll just come out. and Maybe fl- he has an earring or two. I don't know. Yeah, like but, a bandana or something. But he's the one you pick first in kickball because but he's going to fucking but bomb all it. all the chicks are macking on him. The, absolutely. Rinji is in a drought. Dude's, dude's got the turquoise hair and never explains why. Yeah. He just has that turquoise hair. But... um. His story is kind of the theme of his story. I really like because it's all about defying your lot or your destiny, which is kind of interesting, right? Even his backstory, like he was a kid who joined this dojo that was into like swordsmanship and he wanted to become stronger and stronger. And there was this one chick, I want to say maybe the daughter of the owner of the dojo. Yes. And uh, she was, (laughs) she was lamenting the fact that, she was born a girl that one day uh, Zoro would basically outpace her physically. So she was lamenting of her destiny of being born a certain way. He was lamenting that, you know, he is just not strong enough over and over and over again. And it's a really cool like and when he got to meet Mihawk and basically like literally do, like become strong enough because like he has the gut for it, but he just needs to keep defying death over and over and over again and so it started out amazing for me because of this clear hard narrative of what i see as arc is just a constant defiance of odds and even more so than luffy like he he may have a chip on his shoulder but it's not so much like he he has a chip on his shoulder because he has a a will to live on for like he's trying to be the best not just for himself but for somebody else and i love that idea that's always one of my favorite tropes um, so he always he has uh three swords. Right. Literally the three sword style. And I can't tell if he created it himself, I believe. I think so. I think he created it himself because I don't see another human being on the planet using three swords. One in his mouth, by yeah. the way. I mean the guy's a tank. He's an absolute he's literally the tank of the group. All right. Like he gets mowed down and he gets up and he's like, All right, I got about another forty five seconds. You're literally leaking blood by the gill. Which is a unit of blood, by the way. And you have about seven gills in the body. And right. you're leaking gills by the second. Like, 45 seconds and I'm good. Like, you, what the fuck are you doing, dude? Uh, but yeah, dude, he's, he's amazing. And he, he dipped for another character's intro story, which I love very much. But later, he comes into contact with some very powerful weaponry that is my first drop when he's in Logetown or Logtown, and he comes across some swords that yes. have names. And you've taught me very well to know if something's got a name and they call a number out, yeah. there's rankings and you will see them again. It is the anime's version of Chekhov's gun. It's Chekhov's katana, right. essentially. And we, he is now in possession of something, if I got it right, a Wado Ichimonchi. And I looked up the word Ichimonchi and what that means is one line or straight line. It is a, uh, it's colloquially translated as straight line. 
it's a style of katana swordsman crafting and like sword crafting and it was coined in 1208 AD by the general Edo Tao. Basically, he amassed 13 swords craftsmen, and uh, those 13 were so famous in Japan at that time that the swords they created were called the Ichimonchi. And uh, so it already has Japanese history for being a very select set of master swords craftsmen. Right. And there are 21 Wado Ichimonchi in the world right now, and he came across one in a bargain barrel at a fucking sword shop because the owner didn't know Dick, which is awesome. And I love that. Right. Um, so he actually carries, a, I, I think it's like good good grade superior grade and then like master grade or something like that is that there's like three rankings of of named swords it's great i think it's grade uh great grade and special grade or something like that something I, like yeah that. something like that and they go from like 50 to 21 to like 12 so his white sword from koina or whatever her yeah. name is is the lowest of those three grades and he finds the other two in a shop near the grand line what the fuck and he even and one's cursed one's fucking curse that's the one that's named yeah so he and, and that scene is why he instantly jumped right back up he threw it into the air he held his arm out and he said if it will if it's meant to be it will cut my arm off right and it literally flipped right around his arm and not just hit the floor but cut all the way through to the hilts yeah all the way through the floor and he's like the sword's sick i'll take it yeah and i'm like <laughs> What? What? Like it's literally worth like ten billion berry, which is the currency in this world, by the way. And he got it for fifty k because it was in the bargain barrel. The shop hey, owner is a fucking idiot. What are you gonna do? Well, you- I think the shop owners wanted to get rid of it because it's so cursed. That's also true. He's like, yeah, you can't own this cursed sword, and he's like, cursed sword? It's fucking metal. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah that sounds great. So yeah, that's when he became my favorite again. When I'm like, this guy doesn't give a shit, and it's amazing that he does not. Yeah. So I, I like the journey he's on. His journey is great. Become the master swordsman, but he wasn't just given it by the will of his uh, lady friend back in the youth, but also like that Mihawk guy cut him down heavy. And I would like to see him again. He's got some real like Castlevania vibe to him. Like, I'm not really sure what, how to describe him, but he looks kind of like a vampire. He literally came on a boat with two green candles and he just like literally floated into the scene. Yeah. Cut people down. He cut a ship down in one swipe. Are you fucking kidding me? I love the way the show. This the show shows you ceilings yes. for things way later. Like I know I'll see Mihawk again. I know I will. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. There you go. Right. But we're showing like Zoro can cut down a, like a small army of men, but this guy can cut a ship down with one swipe of a great sword. What? And then he just leaves, and you're just like. We're not going to talk about this. He just fucking did that. And he's just going to bounce and says, become a stronger Zoro. Okay, I will. And he just just into the mist. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, I think the point of Mihawk showing up there is just to show Zoro like he thinks he's a badass with swords. And this guy's like, you're absolutely nothing. I'm going to use my toothpick. Yeah. You, oh, yeah. He pulls out the tiny dagger and yeah. just beep, 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 beep. And fucked his world up. Yeah. So. This show, I, and I know I'm going to see it time and time again in these early, like the early third or half, where they'll just like plop in 
uh, a force that you can't touch right now. It's like a well-paced game, right? Like an open world game. You go to an area and it's like you get absolutely clapped a couple times. It's like Elden Ring for me, frankly. And like I'll go to an area and I'll get clapped like three times. And it's clearly like, okay, at some point I'll be able to handle this. I'll see you in 80 hours. Okay, let's do that then. Um, and uh, that that makes for an interesting world. And Zoro's journey is showing that like there are other people out there that know way more and can do way more than you right now. But the promise of him surpassing them is there. And that, again, great shonen pacing. So. Right. Okay, Amazing. so it's 50 skillful grade blades. Yes. There's 21 great grade blades and then 12 supreme grade. Supreme grade. I, I think what's fun for me, like just going through the series, like, and I'm sure you're going to like it too, is they trickle these blades. Like we know there's 50 of them, so we expect there's going to be 50 named at some point. Yeah, they're, they're, they will show up at some but point. But like right. potentially not because those are going to become like the way that power cliffing, at least in this series, seems to me. It's like at a certain point, like if you don't got a great great blade out there, you're getting fucking murdered. You're not even you're not even in the conversation, right? right. Uh, what show show up when you got a supreme braid, like exactly. supreme braid, yeah, yeah. And so that's that. I think that's what's going to be interesting. Is like I I think generally we literally know like three or four of the skillful, but then like you know more and more of the like high grade ones, obviously. Yeah. So I I am I am so into like. Kind of in your camp, like when you hear like the twelve wizard saints in like fairy tale, Ugh. like when you when you hear a group or a set of lore that you know that you've seen one. You, I I saw it in the the twelve awakable weapons in a Tower of God, and we saw a couple of them. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You see that kind of shit all the time in shonen anime, and it's just a great trope. keeps you long keeps you there for for the long game, and uh, I can't hate it. So you know, Zoro's already set up to be my favorite so far. Um, and then we hit a. You know, the one who took his spot there for a bit was uh, Sanji, Venice Smoke Sanji. And uh, boy, howdy, man, I, I love him. He's he's the comedic element to the show sometimes that he reminds me a bit of like a Brock from Pokemon where Brock's thing was like he'd pine over any pretty girl and Sanji's weakness is women. And that's that that that's great. Like I'm in I'm into that. Like that's a great character trope from that time. But Sanji's backstory was really that was the first time I'm like, okay, this is good storytelling. Like I think really good storytelling because the you saw and again the way they foreshadow shit in this show is probably another of the best highlights and something I know they're gonna do well all the way through. His head chef at that restaurant that he worked at, we saw him with a peg leg just to start yeah and then when luffy got busted in because he got shot with the cannonball or he he recoiled a cannonball into the restaurant and then he jumped in to see if everyone is okay he got absolutely mollywopped by the head chef with his legs the he, that's all he did was kick but he had a peg leg so you knew that this guy is like efficient at fighting he uses his legs primarily but he has a fucking peg leg what happened if his legs are his primary weapon? What fucking happened to his leg? Yeah. And then you get the backstory to your point, like flashbacks. They got stranded. Little kid Sanji and the captain got stranded on an island waiting for people for days and weeks on end. And it was all because this guy saved this kid because of his dream to go to the all blue. 
the 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 legendary sea that has all fish from all the four great seas because he was a cook an aspiring cook and wanted to cook all that fucking good ass fish so you learn that he lost his leg because he sacrificed it to save the kid because it got caught in sinking rubble from a ship attack he sacrificed what his entire pride was to save this kid and the kid's dream. Right. And after that, when they were starving on an island together, in his delirium in starvation said, I, would, I think my final act would love to be making a restaurant at sea for all who need food. What a beautiful thing to think of in your moment of starvation. Right. And he did it and told Sanji, you're, yeah, Sanji's like, I want to work, like, I want to work with you. It's like, I'm not going to make it easy for you. He never once went easy on him. And then it, it all comes beautifully together. The kid, you know, Sanji realizes he sacrificed his fighting potential for his dream, for Sanji's dream, right. not his own. And then made his own dream a reality and made Sanji a part of it. What a brilliant fucking, what a brilliant fucking origin story. Like, I loved yeah, all I th- of that. I think it's like, it's almost like you have those old masters that maybe didn't live up to their full potential in their own minds, right? Yeah. And, and it's like an interesting, I think, turning point for a lot of characters when they realize like, okay, my story's on its downward slope. Like, I'm going downhill, but I can save this kid and I can preserve his dream. Right. right. And and like those moments are always so beautiful in anime. Yeah. And then like in, in this specific case, it's like it becomes an even like bigger, I guess, pull uh, because Sanji basically emulates his style moving forward. Like his mm-hmm. kicky. So and, and that's and that's it, it's it doesn't just stop there in how beautifully this particular saga in the East Blue arc is constructed because in his own right, to your point. This head, this head chef used to be a captain and is considered kind of silently low-key, but um, Don Krieg, which is one of probably one of the most powerful pirates at the time in East Blue, just because he has <laughs> just because he has this fucking amassed army, yeah. right? Just just this fleet. Like he isn't the strongest singular person in East Blue, not by a long shot, in my opinion, but he knows how to network and he knows how to delegate. So he has like a fleet of 50 full manned power, like, like pirate ships in his fleet. Um, he comes and says, wait a minute, you're that guy. You're the pirate that went to the grand line and came back. So he, as a character fits very snugly and is a central figure in Sanji's main story. But he also is a central figure at that moment in Luffy's journey. Wait a minute. You've gone to the Grand Line and come back alive? And wait, you have a journal categorizing all the things you saw, and you could tell us, at least from your knowledge in that journal, how you came back alive? Right. Which means you know how to traverse at least a good portion of the dangers that are unknown to the East Blue residents, to the Grand Line. Right. His journal is a wealth of knowledge, and Don Creek knew this. So... This the way they constructed this head chef slash captain is to your point. He had his journey to the Grand Line. He came back from said place, nearly starved to death, saving a kid who wanted to go there as well, and then achieved his new dream of a new restaurant 
involves Sanji in it, and then his past came back to haunt him when someone came to look for that same information of his past. What a fucking beautiful, like, like interweaving, and it was all spelt so seamless. I, I think the craziest part is, like, that was maybe, like, eight episodes tops. I'm talking maybe six. Like, from the moment that Luffy was under his servitude because he broke his fucking roof. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you're going to work for me for a year. Um, yeah, sure, fine. Oh, Luffy said, sure. He was like, I'm good. And then at some point, Don Krieg attacks like, hey, if I get these pirates off your back, will you like let me go? And he's like, yeah, dude. Uh, I guess. Yeah. So it's 12 episodes total. Total. Right. From the moment he goes to the restaurant to the moment Sanji comes with them. Yeah, so beautiful arc in only twelve episodes, mate. It's a pretty sick fucking. I can't do it on show. <laughs> um, but but to to that point, right, is to introduce a whole slew of characters, a central one, a great conflict, good fighting, like a, a nice shown in final battle, and then you were on our way. I don't know. I I think that like in ninety seven ninety eight, beautiful pacing work, like. Yeah, this is fun. So they've got uh, four kids' edits listed on the uh, One Piece fandom. Apparently, Sanji is given a Brooklyn accent, and his cigarettes (laughs) are changed permanently throughout the series into red lollipops. No! I recall that. No! Don Krieg's nail gun is changed to to poison suction cups. All blood is also removed from the fight. Pearl is given a stereotypical surfer voice. Child, dude, dude, you want to ride that signar, dude? Kalina's <laughs> death is changed to her being hurt and unable to fight with a sword again. Mihawk's sword hilt is shortened because it looks too much like a cross. The same goes for his knife. <laughs> wow, this is good info. Cause yeah. like, yeah, four kids edits, man. Wow, wow, wow. Um, <laughs> fucking suction cups, dude. <laughs> That's the part. Honestly, no, like, I, I like, like, Sanji. What do, they, what do they say about Mihawk? Uh, what do they say about him? Yeah. Um, he's just mysterious as fuck. Yeah, they just, they, he's known to be, he is known in the East Blue because, like, he's been all over. Um, uh, supposedly, he's been past the Grand Line and he's been from, like, West everywhere, all, all places. Um, he's one of, so it, it's actually pretty funny, too, is to, to your point where, the world feels like it's opening up more and more and like there's so much I don't know. I actually am kind of glad you told me that because it gave me a new perspective of the residents of East Blue, the general populace and even some of the big players in East Blue are so unintelligible of I, the rest of the world. I mean, they're country fucking bumpkins. They're literal bumpkins. They're on the outskirts, man. Like the fact that Mihawk, just someone who's been out of East Blue is considered like an absolute like demigod. Like to some of these people, like oh my god, it's Mihawk. Like this, we're, this is fucked. Well, to that point, right? Well, that's what I'm saying, right? Is but that he also is a demigod, basically? So sure, like- <laughs> sure, sure. But like, uh, uh, fine. The this random head chef at a restaurant somewhere. Yeah. If you know, Him you know. Or Don Krieg, even. Yeah, if, Don Krieg is basically he's so big in the east blue but how big like his clout only gets him so far to know the names of the people attempting to leave east blue that's it right he just knows like and the people he knows that have left east blue like this head this head chef guy he literally 
is he reveres him so much that he has come. I will not fuck your men up. I'm not going to fuck your restaurant up. If you do, if you make me, I just want your journal and I will bounce. That's all I want. Seriously. I'll, sorry. I want to be fed and then I want to bounce. And I'm like, okay. Like if his, in all of his clout in the East blue with all of his manpower and with all of his personal might, it just feels like even at where I'm at in the story, their aspirations are starting to feel petty. They're starting to feel really fucking small given the size of the world. Right. Right. So like the aspirations of Kiro, the aspirations of uh, Don Krieg and the aspirations of even Arlong. Like I want to conquer the world, but do you really know that how big the world is? Right. So Arlong for sure does. I don't know about Don Creek. I think he's so like he's so petty on the radar. Yeah, we can go into Arlong. We can go into Arlong Park arc because I think it's my favorite of the whole the whole uh, situation. Um, so just quickly, yeah, let's. Hit I it. think we. I you know a question that I think is needs to be asked as somebody who hadn't seen any One Piece. At what point did you like feel hooked? And you and me had talked about it off off mic, so I wanted to let everybody else know at home. Like, what was that point? And I actually will tell you, it was the moment, and it's going to sound a little bit, you know, squishy, but it's the moment when Sanji said goodbye to the chef crew. Because it was me evaluating what that entire arc had led to, you know, Luffy getting a chef. Was the, it was the entire thing, right? But if you start to break into that, you know, Luffy said, we need a chef. And then there's a moment where we have Sanji, our new chef. Everything in the middle was beautifully written. <laughs> it was action. And there was a moment where the action was compelling. We had nice twists and turns. We had great character development. We had some, a couple moments where I was like, oh, damn, that, that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good twist for what would amount to a 12 episode arc in a 1000 plus episode series. It, and this is in like the first 15, 15th of the whole show. I think that was the moment where when he was like, like on his knees crying and saying, no, thank you assholes for everything you've done for me. Yeah. And they all were just like, of course, you're going to fucking miss you. Like, thank you, you assholes. Yeah, you, thank you, assholes. And <laughs> the dumb, thank you, assholes. And the, everyone is just like starts crying, too. And it's just like, you know what? If they can do this in 12, I'm really hyped for what they do when it really hits its stride. Right. And so I'm like, uh, if, if this, if the, and now is moment, I'm like, okay, I'm hooked. Is I think after the Don Creek stuff and the Sanji stuff. So I personally did not really enjoy Baratier all that much, but obviously that point is so poignant regardless of who you are. Mm -hmm. Like, I, you know, you could not enjoy the rest of that and be like, damn, that was fucking, that hit. Yeah, it hits. It, you it know? hits. So I agree with you. That's, that's definitely a good point. A lot of people in our Discord thought all the way, you would have to get all the way to Alabasta to be super hooked. Which actually makes me overjoyed. Because I do, I think you and I both maybe have these tendencies. Like when, it, when we get hooked, we get just dug. Yeah. Like we get dug in. But well, I'm sure I watched like episode one to six hundred in like not that long of a time. Right, right. So, what, so did you do you agree with the Discord that you felt that I was I was Alabasta that was the moment you're like, yep, oh, okay, this is my life now. 
Like, I'm going to be watching One Piece till it's over. No, I think, I mean, it's different, right? If you don't start watching One Piece until you're, like, along your journey. Like, like imagine if you were not equipped to binge shit or you were not equipped for, like, 600 episode shows yet. Sure. Like, this yeah. would feel way harder to get into, I think. But like, yeah. you know, I was a seasoned vet before I even started One Piece. You know, and I had watched all of Bleach. I had watched all of Naruto, like probably multiple times for both of those shows. Like it, it, it did not scare me one bit at the time to watch up to 700 episodes. There is a large part of me that I'm pretty happy I'm doing this now. Like, admittedly, like is, is there, there used to be days when I had the time, but not the, I know it sounds weird, the mental acuity the mental I mean, energy to binge right i had all the time in the world to binge shit in college but i think i've been shit even harder now than i did then like the capacity to say from 8 a.m to midnight i am binging a show <laughs> i'm doing that and i have recently and i literally uh got basically i think i did like episode 20 to episode like nearly 40 in like a single like waking period of my life aka i woke up at like seven went to the gym came back made a bagel had some coffee and boom 15 hours in one piece like, hey that's not and, bad no and, and it was great um and because I, I promised three three episodes a day and i, I got to make up for two weeks of not doing that <laughs> so to that end it's like I, I don't know it's it's funny because like it's when do when do you get hooked i think in a lot of long form cases it creeps up on you but it isn't. It's kind of an interesting question. Like, when was the when was the moment, right? And for everyone saying Alabasta to to kind of bring it all back, you know, it makes me a little overjoyed. And I know that's a bit of an oxymoron, a little overjoyed. But uh, you know, it makes me joyed that to hear that I'm not even at the part where the general consensus is where they say it gets good, good enough to hook the general population, right? Yeah. Which is I, interesting I to me. I personally think that's probably too far into the show to where, like, you know, if you're not enjoying it, you wouldn't have made it that far in my personal opinion. It's not our buddies thing where we watched all of the OG Naruto and it's like, no, nah, I didn't like it. I'm that like, actually still pisses it's me off. It still pisses me off. That's, that's like 250 episodes straight and then you finally say, nah, nah, fam, one like, for me. I don't me. fucking believe you. No, no, <laughs> dude, that's, that's literally like, divide that by three, that's 80 plus hours of content you wasted. Sure, we were in high school, but you then, <laughs> at the end of OG Naruto, it's like, yeah, not my thing. I'm like, well, it clearly was your thing yeah. because you, you did two full work weeks of that shit. Though, to be honest, end of naruto if you watch all that like bullshit is pretty fucking horrid mm -hmm. so i will say that as much as i think for a character introduction sanji's might have been my favorite arlong park was my favorite arc of the of the east blue saga it, it was just fun it i think was it's great. gotta be it, so a couple things that happened and it's gonna lead into the discussion of a couple things, the chum they're dropping in this water that I know they're going to be Very bringing nice. up later. Thank you. I appreciate that. So Arlong Park being, there's an island where one of our main characters, Nami, um, was from. And uh, she was introduced earlier in the show and begrudgingly or almost not completely aligned with the Straw Hat crew and Luffy uh, to be a navigator. But uh, she was then, I, I, I can't remind me how she got her way back to that island. Um, was she whisked back? Was, were they on their way to go there? Or she steals something from him. Yeah. 
And so she has to go back to give right, it to, to Arlong. G- yeah, they have to. She has to go get the money back because she's slowly paying off a debt. Um, turns out a couple elements, you know, were introduced in that arc, and the big one were these fishmen, where I would say a superior species of humanoid, and they're they're right. It was kind of an interesting story of speciesist, where they were, by all accounts, physically superior to humans. I would say, uh. Wickedly strong, could breathe underwater, had a lot of fish-like abilities. Uh, but they had take they would take over these islands in the East Blue, and put the humans into servitude. Essentially, saying, "All right, you're going to pay us like a kind of a tax every so often, and uh, if you don't, we'll kill you." That's pretty much it. There's nothing really you could do about it. Um, long live Arlong. Here we are. Um, Nami is a character. Interestingly enough, uh, she has a pretty good skill of making sea charts and navigating. So she is quite the uh the uh chartographer, cartographer? Yes, yes, cartographer. cartographer. Uh so she she's pretty valuable, I would say to their means because if they know if they have good sea charts and they're basically underwater beings, they could basically take over the ocean, at least in their mind, as long as they have good good mapping cuz apparently <laughs> You would think for people who could swim very fast underwater, they could just go around like, huh, this is an island. Let's write that down. Um, but yeah, it was it, that was very wild because her backstory was she was forced into servitude from a young age and uh, did so to try to slowly save her village, her island. And uh, I wanted to ask you, how did you feel about Nami's you know, kind of backstory? Did it resonate with you? There was a moment where I was like, on the fence of whether I cared about her backstory or not, but yeah, I, I think something that I struggled with is like, I didn't care about Usopp at all. I still don't care about him. You notice how I skipped him? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Nami, I liked as a character. I just like her backstory was so like boring to me, but it'd be the thing about all of these backstories is they become interesting later. Like episode 800, you find out something new about what happened and you're like, that is way more fucking interesting now. That, and that's great. And, that, and that's Which is good for yeah. sure. But it does make it like, I can imagine people getting to those story arcs and being like, damn, this kind of blows, you know? Yeah. I think Nami just being like as sick as she is, like is, is going to be the reason most people get through that part. But then like they do this, like they twist you up, man. They'll like have some aspect of all of these like crew grabbings that are just like damn all right nami's on the squad now you know yeah and i i think the okay fine fine everybody stop shouting i will talk about usopp real quick um <laughs> i don't hate him i don't hate him because i do i don't hate him and if anything that what's so funny to me right now in the early game they're giving usopp more story nuggets than anyone else yasop just came up when we were talking when he was going up against daddy the parent and like had that quick duel and um to get his goggles i guess that was a, a couple days ago for me now but um <laughs> but yeah like like he's getting more story beats and it's almost interesting it's almost like they're supplementing the lack of any interesting character for him with just more backstory that his dad was a decent pirate on the on the red the redhead crew the redhead pirates or the red haired red haired red haired pirates. He's on Shanks. Shanks, crew. yeah, he's, he's on Shanks' crew. Um, <laughs> and uh, he's one of the few who beat this like Navy HQ elite sniper in a duel. Which 
Good for Yasop. I'd like to hear his story some more because he seems way more interesting than his son. Yeah, I'd like um, to hear it too. Yeah. Oh, still. Okay, there you guys. Like, I, I figured he wasn't going to come back up. Like, literally, he's just juice to try to give he Usopp a better back story. Up. You just don't get like more. You don't get what you want from. Feel that. Okay, but like Shanks is like a mythical fucking legendary character. Amazing, and I just want. I, I just wish they would just shove a devil fruit down Usopp's throat to make him more interesting. I'm what I imagine for him. He's just gonna get like better equipment. He already got like better sniper goggles. He already's he's probably gonna get a better fucking slight shot at some point. Like I don't know. Like he's just he's just gonna get more gear. He's just gonna be like the the tinkerer. The uh, I don't know the item whore of the group. If you want to like do a D and D thing, he's, he's gonna be your item whore. So I don't know. Um, basically your eight maybe H, your HM slut in Pokemon essentially. Yeah. Um, but uh, use surf, <laughs> use flash, use cut, <laughs> use jump Strength. off the boat. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> use so, sink to the dive. <laughs> yes, dive. Yeah, use dive and don't come back. But up. here, take this devil fruit first. Yeah, do that. <laughs> but yeah, so <laughs> I mean, oh, oh, Arlong Park, I think was the my favorite arc of it because I think it opened up the idea of actually Arline Park into Logetown or Rotown or Rotown because like it just added so much to the world. Like we learned that new species of humanoids exist. We also learn that, you know, these devil fruits are quite interesting. That they uh you know what? I'm gonna say the devil fruit here for a second, but um I, I felt that Nami's story ended very beautifully again another one of those things where like the the pinwheel kind of captain of the village or not like the mayor or whatever but like he was like the captain of their village and he was cut up to shit because he tried to defend when all the fishmen came through so she like basically her what was it what was the name of their caregiver belladeer or belladine or what i think it's belladine yes belladine or something like that belladine and um she basically was she used to be a navy soldier and then came back to um basically take on Nami and their uh, her adopted sister that both of them were adopted and unrelated and um you know sacrificed herself at the hands of the fishmen and basically hid the existence of Nami and her sister from the fishmen because they were charging i want to say a, a hundred thousand berries ahead for a hundred million total. A hundred million total, but it was a hundred thousand initially per head on the island, fifty thousand for children. Belladine basically only had a hundred thousand to her name. So to to and Bellamere. Bellamere, that's it. I knew it was not right. Fair enough. Bellamere. Bellamere couldn't pay for her adopted daughters. Shows she hid the existence of them. From the fishmen paid her cut and when they eventually found out that there were these two girls that were unaccounted for Bellamere lost her life because of that so to basically make sure everyone else was safe Nami gave her sea charting ability as trade and said I will pay I will buy this island give me time I will buy this but in the meantime I will make sea charts for use to make sure that I will be okay with this deal. What an interesting deal to make. She sold her childhood, essentially, to servitude and making cash. It's a very good way. She's essentially the rogue of a D&D &D party where she's like, will steal, lie, and cheat, but she has like 
kind of again she's the one with the chip on her shoulder right so but she's got that like the heart of gold underneath it all it's, and that it's it's a thick wall, but underneath it all, it's the, it's, it's a pretty mint <laughs> yeah, heart of yeah. gold. Um, all in all, I like Nami as a character now. Her backstory in context of Arlong Park was meh. I just think it was a good situation for the Straw Hats to be in. That was interesting. You got some lore. You got the Fishmen fight and Luffy as a true North character, just fucking them up heavy was so fun to watch yeah um he yeah he's op he's op off the rip man he's just going he's going strong like i don't think we've seen him in perilous danger up to this point he seems to find a way out and i can't tell it's just because like he'll always rise to the top but he's never been on death's door thus far yeah, I think it's important to recall that East Blue is like baby blue. It's baby shit. Right. Yeah. I think Arlong Park, he was... He was close. Yeah, he was definitely not in a good way. No, he... Yeah, and he just basically like, I'm going to bust the fucking building down. Um, But then a couple... Uh, so, okay. I did feel that when I watched it. I'm like, yo, Luffy's just way OP for East Blue. Yeah, he like, is. Nobody's he, doing anything to him. Which is... Which is... Uh, they alluded to all that. If you have... Like, there... I think there were like comments here and there that apparently there are devil fruit users all over the grand line which said two things one if you have a devil fruit you're already stronger than most of east blue and two that you're strong enough if you have a devil power to be nominal at the grand line because if there's devil fruit people everywhere so luffy should just play in right? right he should just be right where everyone else is at least nominal right so if you're and if everyone thinks the Grand Line is some mythical place of death and destruction, unless you're like a god, and they're all Devil Fruit users, Luffy's already outclassed everything in the East Blue, like straight up. So what do you know about Devil Fruits? I was gonna get into that. So th- this is uh, this is the time where I uh, kind of finish up, and I will be giving a Weebology rating for each arc. I think. Okay. Yeah. Um. Again, remember. I know that I don't know what I don't know. Right. So I'm, I, I rate them as I know them. But devil fruits. Obviously, these mythical fruits that just seem to come from the ocean, people seem to get them. And I've only ever seen them come from chests, which is weird. Um, the only time I've ever seen one on screen is inside of a chest. I don't know if they hit it there. It's not important. What is important is that you eat it, you get some strange power, but in the words of the characters in the in the universe, the sea turns its back on you and you can no longer swim. You literally just freeze up and if, when you're in the in the ocean and you just sink. Interesting. I love again, you know me, risk reward, power, risk. And weird with the risk being everything around the boat is insta death for you, yeah. which is pretty <laughs> sick. Um pretty cool as a pirate concept. But water is lava. Wa- the water is <laughs> the water is lava. But from the powers that I've seen, they seem to be mostly, except for a couple body manipulation. One I've seen rubber. One you can turning your body to rubber, turning your body to smoke, turning your body into movable chunks like buggy and uh, Alveda, uh, the smooth smooth fruit. Basically, she becomes frictionless, so anything that hits her like slips off her. They all seem to be centered around your ability to it, it manipulate your body in some way. Um, I, I haven't seen any other kind of power except for this character I, we met early on named Dragon, who seemed to have powers with the weather. 
So when Luffy was about to be killed at Logtown, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, out of nowhere, he literally, the pillar gets struck by lightning. And like Buggy gets engulfed in blue flames and Luffy's just like, I'm Gucci, which at first I thought Luffy had some extra power shit because if you're rubber and you can control lightning, that seems to go pretty fucking well together frankly yeah so i was thinking like <laughs> can luffy just like in like basically it's kind of like a uh like only in the face of true death can you like activate something like that but i also found it super weird that like luffy was like everyone concentrated on luffy smiling in the face of death i guess it was maybe because king gold roger did the same shit but like he was like sorry guys i'm dead smiles and he just like i thought he called lightning down I was like, whoa, this is wild. But if you're rubber and then you can call lightning, can devil fruits have like a duo of power? Like, can they just like kind of be like, <laughs> nested, like if someone can turn their body into fire, but they also have ice powers, like they're, right. they're their own antidote, right? Like Luffy can that have light. That would be cool. Like Luffy has lightning it powers. It's definitely not like that at all. But I know, that would I know. be really cool. It was weirdly coincidental that like he's a rubber boy, but he can then use lightning. It's like his body is his own antidote to his own power. It's kind of like Kilua when he has Godspeed. The only way he's like cool with that is because he has years of electro torture. Right. He's his own antidote. So I don't know. Neither here nor there. Well, I'll tell you. It's all body manipulation. Like it changes your body in some way. But after seeing that dragon guy. I personally don't know. He controls the weather from what it looked like. I think the dragon guy helped him out. He, like I said, I personally don't know how that lightning occurred. I thought it was it the dra- may have been a natural phenomenon. I thought it was the dragon guy because he called wind down to basically blow all the sol- the Navy soldiers and everyone like the captured pirates, everybody. He just shook up the battlefield and he's and basically smoke was like, dragon, why the fuck are you helping this guy? So I assume the lightning was from him. But I don't know. His powers seemed different. It was like he turned everything green and then blew, used wind to blow it. So I assumed he had weather powers and he can make a tornado. So I'm assuming it's him. But again, it was really coincidental. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. So it was like, who knows? Oh, you son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> but they did. They put a lot of energy. They did it in the recap and they did it at the end of one episode. I think it was like 52 or 53 where smoke was like. He was like, why did he smile in the face of death? And why did that lightning strike? And where did the storm come from? It's a west facing wind. It's a tailwind to the grand line. It's as if the heavens want this man to live. And I'm like, that's an interesting line. Because sure, I, I, I still I'm putting my money that it was on that dragon guy. But something some shit's up. Like some shit is weirdly up. Um. But I don't know. I, I genuinely can't assess. But I, I think the devil fruit powers clearly have more than just body manipulation. You can probably do clearly way more than that shit. But um, I think you get a classification for them coming up here in, in Alabasta. And that's sick. probably okay. why people like that arc the most as you like start really learning some of the mechanisms. Yeah. Because uh, like up through Logtown and even through like uh, what's that? Fucking, uh, with all the assassins are at. Oh, which I'm not really sure. 
Whiskey Peak. Whiskey Peak, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you see a bunch of devil fruits, but you don't really get mechanisms of devil fruits, really, still. They they felt... They're, okay, so I'm starting to see classes here. Um, there's... Uh, some of them are kind of elemental. We have smoke, we have rubber, um, and then you have others that are more, um, you know, manipulate... Like, if you're... If you're can kind of let's talk about Nen a little bit, it's almost like a... Um, a manipulator or a uh like someone who can basically is an elemental um i imagine there's probably going to be some enhancer styles there's going to be like there's people that can do uh certain things like chop their body up make their body frictionless and then um there are people that are probably in this other class that can like control things outside their body so i, I don't know i i'm debating if fishman as a concept is like a devil fruit thing because that's a body manipulation, unless fishmen are a species. They're a species. They're a species. I'll just okay. put that to bed okay, for you. Okay, fair enough. Thank you. Appreciate that. I don't think though. that's even worth... Uh... Exploring? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. That was, <laughs> that was a very wild... And I have a couple, like, a couple other questions. Is like, you know, it's, it's interesting to see, like, Zoro's strength seems a bit odd. Like... I and he's the only guy I know with his hair color and I've watched enough anime to know that like hair color can be the sign of a certain like clan or or group of individuals like why is he so much stronger than anybody else right like now like a bloodline thing it's a bloodline thing um that's in my head and well he does have like a named sword at level 5 right let's just pretend like let's like yeah we're going D&D style yeah he's like a level 5 with like a know, plus 3 swordsman. sword right now yeah um, uh, he definitely has more, it's like you would get like a mythical weapon from the beginning. Like yeah. your first box has a mythical weapon and that's what it feels like. I think yeah. with him. So I will say too another, another question that I, I don't had, know really anything about his backstory to be honest fair, even at this point. Fair. Okay. Um, he just seems like unique, but we never really, I never, I, I got a bunch of his backstory, but I don't know where the fuck he actually came from. Like the only story you get from my point of view he showed up at a dojo one day. I want to get strong. Will you teach me? Sure. Done. Like nothing, none of his parents, none of his lineage, none of where he comes from. Only dude in the series that has his hair color. But that's saying nothing. Seeing the character designs that I've seen now, it's fucking wild ass the character design. So yeah. turquoise hair is probably the tamest shit, right? Um, another thing I found very interesting. There was a moment where Luffy uh got hypnotized by the right hand man of the Koro uh Captain Koro and um he I know that you can he can hypnotize people and tell them to just be stronger but he like whereas everyone else they got stronger and they can kind of like do things in their order of magnitude Luffy to this day has not done a feat of strength of breaking off the front of the fucking boat and then whipping it at people. And I saw like him grow in size. Like he literally grew like a fucking super saiyan. Can Luffy just do that? Like, can he just, he can stretch himself, right? So can he just make himself like beefier? Yeah. So what I think is really interesting about one piece powers and specifically devil fruit is like, as you progress through the series, you realize that like even potentially a a dumb sounding devil fruit could have like really cool uses and really cool like um abilities you just have to like really try hard to do that 
it's a lot like um I mean, honestly, a myriad of shows where it's like, oh, this is a bad power, but if you use it in the right way, it's insanely powerful. Um, I don't just, know if you watched a... Death Game in five seconds. Did no, we, we talked about it where he basically, he has the power others think he does. Right. Yeah. Like, so he has to convince them. Extremely bad power unless you can convince people that you're the strongest individual in the whole like world. In our in our own lessons, we did Charlotte the other week, and you know the MC you basically from from the rip. He thought I mean, he, we know his power is different, but he can control people just for five seconds. We talked about like it's not that hard to conceive of a money a many different ways that that power can be pretty OP. But again, he thought like this power kind of sucks, but he starts to think of it, starts to scheme, right? And he's like, yeah, yeah, okay, this in the right hands, this power can be crazy, and especially we're talking about Luffy shit rubberizing your entire body there i can think of a whole myriad of ways like literally inflate your lungs and then use it as an air cannon i don't know like he already inflates his stomach to eat literally calories and calories on end can he somehow find a way to use those calories immediately because if he can put like twenty thousand calories in his body like right away can he just fucking use it all or can he just like stretch minute parts of him like we're talking like blood flow or something like that. Or like, are you can, talking about his wiener? I wasn't going to bring it up explicitly, but he yeah, so we're talking about his dick. Yeah, he absolutely can do that. He can absolutely stretch his dick and then divert all his blood to it. But if he, if he can get really <laughs> controlled, can he just put like a bunch of fucking like blood infused oxygen into his fist and just have one big beefy arm, right? And just fucking I guess somebody. we'll find out. Okay. Oh, what was, okay. That was interesting. Was it? I don't know. You, I, yeah, I'm just. I'm trying I mean, to he's obviously not going to have these dog shit powers his whole career. So you, sure, you he must expect, do something with this. You yeah. can expect some level up. Yeah, right. So I mean, if he can start to use the rubberization of his body around in very interesting ways, but I think that's the best part about a show like this. He is not a smart lad. He will need tutelage. He will have to find people to teach him. I'm assuming. And what I'm going to find interesting of this show is what can all these powers seem very unique. Can there be others with the same fruit powers as him? Can there be another gum gum fruit user out there? So apparently it's like one per power. Okay, so there's only one ambassador of a certain power at a time. Basically, he would have to die, and then like X amount of time later, the fruit would then reappear in the world. That's why you keep finding them in chests. It's because pirates are going around and like harvesting these, and they're keeping them as like their pride and joy to either sell, use, oh. or whatever at, at a given time. The, the scarcity of it is there's only one. Either it's kind of like a Jinchuriki in that way, right? Is that there's only one nine tails, and if that person were to die, yeah, sure, the nine tails in a couple of years will manifest somewhere else. Yes, but there's only one Jinchuriki at a time. There's only one nine tails at a time in the living world. Right. Interesting. Yeah, like, I, 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 I can vibe with that. Per devil fruit, devil per devil fruit. There's different like rarity involved, like as far as like what people attribute its value. Like there's oh, certain fruit that okay. are just like so op. That like the user of if you were to manage to harvest that like oh my god right because okay. yeah because the the stronger the fruit the harder the person that oh, that ate it is probably to kill right right gotcha yeah so the the value comes from how readily you can 
acquire it for yourself. Well, there's that, but like like I said, and the power that comes some, with it. Of course. Sometimes yeah. bat it seems like a pretty dog shit power, but you can use it really interestingly. Yeah, yeah. So that's and then, and then after that we okay. So I did want to bring up before I give a rating and just kind of give my thoughts as a whole. Um, got my first taste of filler, the warship arc. There is that uh, Apis, the little girl who kind of they're on the way to the Grand Line. It's after Arlong Park. They are uh, or after Logtown, sorry, and um. They're on their way to the Grand Line, and they get diverted by this little girl that needs help, Apis, and she's, like, part of, like, a clan that is protecting this dragon uh, island that they have, like, some kind of immortality elixir material called Dragonite. Shout out Pokemon, I guess. Um, I don't know. And uh, we see another fruit. I don't know. I, I looked, and I noticed that it was an odd deviation from their clear mission. I'm like, the first time, is this filler? I had to look it up. It was filler. So, yeah. um, I gotta say... I didn't hate it. It was it was kind of like yeah, did did it feel a bit of a damper on the on the pacing thus far? Well, yeah. When I get about fifty five episodes of main canon manga canon, yeah, I'm gonna kind of sense that this feels pretty fillery, right? <laughs> but um, I, I did a little more research on filler, and they said it's about eleven and a half percent of the animated series is filler. Fucking great ratio, by the way. Uh, amazing. And so if there's a hundred. 110 episodes of filler there's 900 plus that aren't right sick I, I think i can trudge through it and some and some people even said like there are some marks you don't want to skip for a filler you don't i think um, they're personally wrong but okay uh, okay and so i like there's I, an arc later that's for some people for some reason people like but it's davy back i think it was like almost made me quit watching the show it was like that boring damn damn okay shit so I, I did watch that arc. It was fine. I've seen worse uh, filler, be it content, Naruto, or placement, <laughs> Bleach. But like, I've seen I agree worse with that. filler. I, I think even like the filler that there is to watch is probably a higher tier of filler than a lot of other shows. And it's because the filler didn't deviate from the Straw Hat crew, at least for now. It was still them. It was still them, them getting the job done over the course of five or six episodes. Cool. All right. Like it, it they're they're I why think they I'm benefit from like really short arcs so far. Yeah, yeah. Like it was five apps, fine. And you know, I didn't hate it. There's some cool fights, cool powers, like the sicko sicko fruit basically you can use wind size. Pretty sick. Yeah, like fire. Yeah. yeah. yeah pretty cool. I, I don't know. I think the other like benefit is the show, like the actual airtime of every episode is like max eighteen minutes, probably even less. Oh yeah. Like I'm on, I'm doing it on Netflix so I can insta skip intro. Five seconds from the outro, hit yep. the next one. Like this is some clean binging, guys. Right, this is some so easy it's binging. just much easier to to tear through. Even like those six episodes, if you really think about it, it's like maybe an hour. Yeah, like I, I think it gave me ninety minutes. I think it was nothing crazy, and I was good. Like didn't hate it. Was and the thing the thing was though, it wasn't so good that I didn't feel like oh. Okay, fine. Back to the Grand Line shit. Right. Like back to the Grand Line stuff. Right. So it it still it still wasn't a filler. Like there, and I, I've said it before. There were some Naruto fillers, aka mostly histories of like Kashi and Itachi, where I was actually like, oh shit, that this was engaging. Like I actually had a really good time. Now that I'm back to the main story, I kind of I liked that. Like I, I wouldn't mind seeing more of that. I didn't get that here, but it was a nice distraction. I, I get why there was filler. Long form's gonna have that. But to hear that 10% of it at most is filler, 
What a banging ratio. I'm excited. And I'm in Alabasta right now. And next time I do one of these, we'll be talking about Alabasta, which everyone seems to say is the moment I should have been hooked. Sorry to disappoint you, students, but Showboy's already hooked. He so, was already hooked. That's the secret. He's hooked the whole time. Always has been. But if I had to give this a rating, I would say it's um 85. 85 straw hats out of 100. It was clearly, it was exemplary. And I'm actually leaving out, whenever I do these ratings, I'm going to leave out filler. Like, I'm talking about just the main canon stuff. Um, it, I give it such a high rating because I came at it knowing that it was the progenitor of a lot of things. If I were uninitiated and just a newer or moderate weave in my own right, I've been like, ew, this feels like, Jujutsu Kaisen Demon Slayer. It, it feels like other shit. It feels like Naruto. But if I didn't know, then I didn't know. So I don't know. It's, uh, I'm lucky that I had the perspective that I did. And with that perspective, 85 out of 100, it's clearly the start of something really, really cool. And I'm excited for it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just like final thoughts. I think it's really interesting. Like the f- big three do feel extremely similar, which is funny. Right. But like right. the shows these days that are kind of the big hitters don't really feel all that similar. They're building on this. Right. And it's, it's just important. like, well, I think a slight deviation from like as epic a story as this is, you know? Right. So, I mean, if you are going to start a journey, I know there's people in the Discord that are starting their journey as well. I would say my only advice is to come at it knowing that it is the cornerstone of what makes the modern shonens great. It's clearly where anyone who knows their stuff is drawing their inspiration from One Piece. Like they drew it from Naruto and Bleach and Dragon Ball. Like you have to understand that you're watching the grandfather, you're watching the OG. So don't be like, oh, this is coming in flat. Well, no, everything else is based on this. They're all not carbon copies. They're just the upgrades, maybe in a couple ways, but this one had no carbon copies. This is it. This is the original. So if you come out with that perspective, there's a lot of appreciation to be had. So I think so. Yep. Well, like you said, we'll be doing the OP Chronicles every once in a while, maybe every five or six episodes. We will continue this journey. Uh, sorry, I will, and I will be consulting with Ethan and his... Uh, his experience with with this particular pirate journey, so I can take it myself. It's gonna be easier when we get closer to like stuff more current. Sure, because like this old stuff is really hard for me to recall. Oh, it's fresh for me, baby. Which it's is fresh. good. I mean, yeah. it's a lot of fun. It's just that I think how fun the series is is really the big so big hitter. It's cozy. It's it's it feels good. Like, it feels good to watch. It's I don't like come power like power of friendship distilled into like actual fun. But they don't scream it. It's not yeah. like, oh, these are my friends. Well, they do sometimes, but like, yeah, they do sometimes. <laughs> it's, no fa- it's no fairy tale, yeah. but it's also like not very nuanced. It's like, yo, I got to protect my friends. They're precious to me. Um, Luffy beat on a whale, literally screaming, give me my friends back. They're precious to me. Right. So I mean like, okay. But uh, you, you know what? fucking whale. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking whale. Thank you, everyone, for coming to this Yarl classroom shit kind of thing. I tried to work a pirate classroom <laughs> thing in there. Yeah, but I saw it just... It, a cringed attack. You, you, it's fine. Your cringe game is you. You cringe very easy at the most sensitive. Oh, stuff, I'm cringeable. You're very cringeable. But yeah, you know what? If you want to see more cringeable content, sometimes you can come into our Discord. One dollar up. Your <laughs> Patreon.com/slash/Rebology. One dollar up gets you into the Patreon Discord with all of our past guests and lovely Patreon folk, where we talk about stuff and uh, the One Piece journey. And again, we've been posting a lot of food pics lately. So if you got any good food, come on in. Show us. Like I posted my omelet rice today and it was pretty fucking great. 
Uh, $3, $3 and up gets you the syllabus sidebar. Lo-fi, high vibe. Sometimes anime, sometimes not. Sometimes on hiatus and sometimes visual show where we talk about life and things and stuff we really need to talk about soon because it's been way overdue. Yeah. And that's no hey, one's fault. We got a lot going on. It's, not, it's no one's fault, but ours and life's. That's fine. Um, yeah, we. Uh, this is probably the last episode in this specific lab. Yeah. So I bought a new lab and then we'll be moving into that. And Did you say we? Well... Yeah. 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 The professors in the lab, we're going to live there 24 7. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have to come over to the lab anymore. It's going to be nice. I'm going to live in the lab basement with all the fucking storage and the weird chemicals. I'm just going to sip them all. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. But, uh, yep. Yeah, you know, like, comment, subscribe, and anywhere you do that thing. And, uh, you're already on the platform, baby. Just go literally one click over, hit our whole backlog, or you can get into the link and descriptions of anything that you find your podcast fixed on. Um, so, uh, you know what? I'll plug the plug the Gmail. Tell us how we're doing. Say hi or tell us a show we should watch. We got a couple of those lately. Bootbology podcast at gmail.com. Um, we do read those and oftentimes we do reply. Either I or him or both. I think and we like, reply. We I don't do recall no, no, ever not replying. It's more of a it's more of avoiding a double reply. Maybe we should double reply more. <laughs> if you want a double reply, hit us up at the uh yeah, the Gmail. At the Gmail. But yeah, until we talk about doubling down on our replies again. I'm Ricky. And I'm Ethan. And this is been Webology. Deuces. Deuces. Oh, that was a powerful piece. Yeah. Power. I almost said peace. <laughs>